0: So this is a special episode of a campfire talk, or we're not going to set this up as a normal podcast. So imagine being outside like this. Now imagine being around a campfire with us, Bob Edwards, Mark Yeston, and Todd Conklin. Now that you have that vision, let's get rolling.
1: Hey little sister, I'm talking to you. You gotta learn how to pay your dues. Hey, little sister, you gotta see this through. I'm on the other side of the world, just singing for you. Hey little sister, I'm talking to you. I stand up and put on some shoes. I said as what they are paid to do. Believe me, darling, if you snooze, you lose. One, two, three little birds Tell telling me not to get hurt. If you walk on fire, you might get burned. But if you
0: Okay, hold on. Let me try something else. That's, How, whatever not, that, but whatever like that, that was, it got better. He's okay, getting cool. kind of radio voice, so, I don't know if... if <laughs> hey, hey, hey.
2: Thunder boomers hmm. in the forecast. 14 Thanks. degrees outside. Thank you for listening, to KJLS. That's right, where Jimmy, the music lives. The power of the atom, you know,
3: me. That's the future for you know, America. It's
0: KJFK. and then you have. Yes. Okay, I got you on that one. WN. So here was my idea, and I don't know if anybody saw what my our little ad ran before we actually recorded. I was thinking, what if we did this more along the lines like if we're just sitting around like a campfire? Yeah, that's fine. That's kind of how we do everything. We're just talking. Well, I mean, just talking, opposed to it being some big production. No, kind of like already, you guys are going where you're just talking.
2: Well, that's how we do everything, Jay. So that's not going to be hard for us.
4: Okay, cool. Well, I, my only issue, Jay, is we need to make sure we're six feet apart.
0: Okay, that <laughs> I, I I have moved the microphone that far back. Yeah, so
4: we are we are about as social distance as we can be. Well, we got Florida, Chattanooga, and New Mexico,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. We're like yeah, but I just don't know country. how close Mark. Martin- <laughs>
2: Mark came over here 'cause I think he Absolutely. I think he was feeling a little cabin fevery. Yeah. So I switched cabins.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: nice. So I guess let's just go and just think about it this way. Where you at? What are you thinking with this whole mess? Well, first
3: off, we gotta get our
0: campfire going.
2: <laughs> so do we start with Kumbaya or do we end yes. with Kumbaya? That's right. This is going to be the
3: safest campfire ever. Todd is wearing an orange reflective vest. I'm wrapped head to toe in tinfoil. We've got the fire department on standby, but they're not worried because all of our houses here are made out of clay.
2: That's right. They're mud. We live right. in mud houses. Mud houses. <laughs> so should I get
0: my guitar? Do we, do,
2: are we well, going to do any sing-alongs, do you think?
0: Well, I, I kind of wondered if you already had some pre-recorded banjo play. I really did.
2: I always have that, Jay. That, that's not hard for it's me at back all. pocket. So here's what I think. I'll start this and give us give us some topic for us to chat about. I think there's two things. One, what concerns me most of all, is that this is probably the largest crisis of our lifetime. I mean, I don't know what the future's going to hold, but I hope it's it's less than this. And it's hard because this doesn't feel like a crisis when it's not in current crisis mode in your location but it's clearly a problem and it's clearly frightening and it's clearly global and we know it's big because it's impacted everything every every way anybody works anywhere pretty much in the world at least that i'm talking to everybody's kind of in the same place
4: yeah i just saw a friend of mine at uh, the store i used to work with him at the the old GE side I worked at at Roper. Uh, anyway, he works for a, a car manufacturing place now, and he's been there 10 years, and he said that they are shut down now, but they can't start back up until the big three start back up because all the sub-tiers aren't available to make parts. Oh. So they're kind of in this weird holding pattern.
3: Cascading effects.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. Which Out
4: is, across manufacturing.
2: Which is normal in complex systems, right? Yeah. So complex systems are always... The couplings are going to be where things are going to happen, and that's a really good example of a coupling, right? So they can't work until the bigs work, and the bigs can't work until, you know, there's some kind of market out there to sell their product. And and my guess is, is that that part's probably pretty frightening.
4: Yeah, and then, and, then, and then there's other industries who can't hire people fast enough, you know, the food delivery places, the, my, my daughter works for a, a big chain store that sells groceries and stuff and they're paying them, they're actually, it's interesting, they actually are giving the older folks that work for them paid leave and they're hiring younger people to stock the shelves and they're paying my daughter uh, like overtime. They want they want her in there every hour she can possibly come in. The guy that came in hooked our internet up. Um, so we just put in high speed stuff here, and, and he said he's getting like a twenty five percent increase in his pay during this time period because there's such a huge demand for him to get out there. All you know, all the kids that are at home now that need to do homes or whatever distance learning school. It's quite interesting how some industries are like gangbusters, going gangbusters, but then the bulk of them are in this weird limbo.
2: And think about that because Walmart's hiring 300,000 people. Amazon's hiring 300,000 people. Whatever that Insta grocery or whatever the grocery delivery thing is. What's it called, Mark? Um, Instacart. Instacart is hiring 90,000 people. And they were also planning a strike. Today. Yeah, they were striking today, I heard. Or, or a walkout, right? Yeah. Well, you
0: mean- that's the interesting part, though, because there's so many different aspects of this whole thing. Like right now, even using the example of Walmart, Walmart right now was trying to do an instant 15,000 people hiring. Last week, they were running something that said that if you actually applied online, they could hire you the same day and get you start working.
2: Yeah, I mean, need's going to be driving that, right? I mean, that's crazy, which is going to put a lot of people into this workforce. <clears throat> and what scares me, you guys, and, and jump in on this, is that this isn't a substitute not that those are bad jobs I don't mean to say they're bad jobs they're just not high paying jobs and what worries me is are we changing the employment landscape by by putting people into these jobs that they would maybe make more money doing other jobs I I don't know what i'm saying here help me out well, anybody.
4: Well, they, well they don't feel like they're not sustainable it's almost like seasonal it's a weird word to yeah. use, but seasonal jobs in retail at around thanksgiving christmas time period right well this is not seasonal but it is it is um it's pandemic driven need and then after on the other side of this whatever that looks like w- are those jobs still there or have they gone away is or is this a new becomes a new norm i i don't know yet
2: well, and, and how how about the safety people that are out there working in these warehouses or really anywhere, you know, the toilet paper guys, right? Yeah. Uh, are They've got all these new green hats on the floor, still yeah. running high-risk operations. Because, you know, I don't know how you guys think, but the scariest thing to me in a, in a workplace is probably a fork truck, right? And, yeah. and so now you got all these people running equipment, you're probably gonna see increased injuries because they're new employees. We know that. And you've got safety people that that don't have ready access to a support network they would normally have, probably running lean, probably working all sorts of crazy hours, and probably ninety percent of what they're doing is around biohazard covid protection. And so yeah. things like lifting and you know, those
4: yeah machine guarding. Yeah. Right? Lockout, tag out. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not auditing lockout, tag out if I'm trying to get masks
2: and gloves for people. Or or cleaning, you know, handrails every 30 minutes or putting yeah, yeah, plexiglass yeah. screens up in front of the cash register. Yeah. How do you guys yeah. feel about the lack of PPE? I mean, oh, other I, than it's just inexcusable. I think a lot about that. So, you know, we're
3: talking about how people's jobs have changed or gone away or, you know, massive hiring is going on. Think about the people... And I'm in touch with a lot of them because of, you know, my background and career who are working in healthcare. Uh, Not only have they stayed at work, their work has intensified incredibly. So I was uh, teaching a class of uh, nurses and physicians from all over the country just a couple weeks ago. And we've sort of stayed in touch as they've gone back to their own jurisdictions. And to a person, they're talking about the shortages of of PPE, which is amazing because in our safety work, you know, that's kind of, you know, inviolate. PPE, you know, you're off the job or whatever. And, and here we're asking right. people in the most um, dangerous time of, of our, uh, of our life experiences to improvise and go without the, the fact that, and I'm not trying to, you know, who to blame. I have no idea, but, uh, the fact that we are running low on personal protective equipment or we're already out of it in some cases, you know, on some yeah. ambulances, they've, they gave up the the N95 mask some time ago in favor of just regular surgical masks. It's interesting. When I, when I started my career it was about the time, um, HIV AIDS was emerging and, and the, and the notion of, uh, PPE for first responders and paramedics and police and firefighter in the field was kind of non-existent. I mean, I remember the first ambulance I worked on in a metropolitan area. The only pair of rubber gloves were in the obstetrical baby delivery kit. Right. And my mentors at that time <clears throat> were mostly uh, former Vietnam medics. These guys had tremendous skills. I mean, they could dart somebody with an IV from across the room and all of a sudden they had to start adapting to this new reality. And wearing gloves to them pretty much turned them into four-year-olds. They get the tape stuck and the fingers wrapped together and (laughs) basically became non-functional. And then we transitioned relatively quickly into what we call BSI, body substance isolation, universal precautions for every 911 call. And it is drilled in day one on all emergency responders and emergency room staff that, you know, this is what you do before you encounter any patient. And now at this critical time, a lot of that material is not available.
4: And Mark, you said something really interesting and I've seen this happen, not just in the safety world, but you said things that were basically like a fireable offense. Right? Now now it's like, well, well you can use this same PPE. Well, I'm going to keep it and use it again because I don't have anything else. Now, wait a minute. That would have been a fireable offense a month ago. Right Now, all of a sudden, because we're having to adapt. A quick example is my kids at school. If you drop them off more than five minutes late, they're considered tardy. Well, now all of a sudden – we're trying to figure out how to even get anything done at the house through all this distance learning stuff with 14 different websites you have to log into. All of a sudden, that five-minute rule doesn't even matter at all anymore. So it's really interesting to see how
2: things can change so quickly. Well, the first casualty of a crisis is always going to be rules. Right. Right? And that makes us ask some questions. One is, how important are these damn rules anyway? I mean, if, if they're the first thing we throw away when right. when things get tough then clearly those rules exist for some other reason than operational efficiency and couple that then with the fact that at least in healthcare so so it's inexcusable that we don't have PPE it's just it's just inexcusable but the crazy thing is is that we have a highly infectious disease 30 times more infectious than the flu and we don't give frontline workers the correct PPE and we're sort of in a way blaming the practitioner for the lack of it's really weird for the for the lack of equipment. It's it's become this bizarre phenomenon.
3: Well, and it's it what it's interesting to me we, we, we praise people who work in healthcare for being dedicated, quote unquote. They're they're so dedicated. You know, people who go into that line of work are certainly dedicated, but I think a more accurate term in times like these is that they're what I would call morally hostage and morally hostage to the situation is that, you know, by inclination, training and profession, they're going to run toward the fire. They're going to run toward the problem and yep. try to help people. And they know that if they decide to make a stand and not show up, which I hope they don't do and they won't do, um, they're leaving the people that they work with. And they also care about the rest of their team at a disadvantage. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and I think you feel like you, you must go because it's just programmed into you. But if, for the people that must go or must receive these patients, everybody needs to do everything we can to, to keep them as safe as possible because it, we, it's, it's a, t- a tenant. The, the worst thing you can do in an emergency is to become part of the emergency when you're there to yeah, solve yeah. the problem. And if you're getting yep. sick, then it just complicates the situation.
2: So, Jay, did you want to say something? Because you need to hold the talking stick if you're going to talk, OK? <laughs> and uh, And <laughs> Bob, you need to take another bong hit. <laughs>
3: right. Yeah, that's well, in, in Tennessee.
2: Are this, and let me just
0: kind of open this up. What do you think about this whole thing of people now using bandanas as using that as a protective measure at the point? And then the other portion, you've, you're hearing news now outside of coming out of New York where they're letting 4 year medical students graduate early for they can intern inside of some of these hospitals. What are your thought processes behind some of this? Well, let's divide
2: those up because those are two, two different, th- really distinct and different topics so the bandana thing is you know is just crazy it's it's a desperate attempt to provide something because the belief that something is better than nothing is really a strong kind of held belief it's not better than nothing and it's goofy i mean mark will have to speak to this or bob can speak to it they've got backgrounds in this but it's it's just it's it's a desperate attempt it'd be like putting somebody on fall protection with, uh, yeah, but use, with yeah, a piece of, you know, like a piece of. Using
4: yarn. Yeah, yeah
3: out yeah, of bind,
2: Binder's twine
3: or. or out something. of webbing, so we'd like you to use some of this parachute cord. It yeah. probably works. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good has, parachute yeah. cord. It's yeah. not the best parachute cord. It's better than nothing.
4: Right? So I, I think. But, it, but, some of the, but some of the bandanas do look cool. I mean, you gotta give them <laughs> you know, for style, they just don't do anything.
2: Oh, they must. They must do. They must have some impact, do they? Because if it's if it's yeah, if it's do. droplets, I think a bandana probably stops droplets. But it's, they're saying it's not droplets. It's aerosolized. So the choir. Do you guys follow the choir that got infected in Washington State? So they had a, a community choir practice, and sixty people came, and forty of them have coronavirus. Oh no! But they practiced social um, distancing, so they were six feet apart. They didn't hug. They didn't shake hands, but they were singing. They were singing. And so singing, clearly, you, you must aerosolize. I mean, I can't teach a class without spitting on the people in the front row. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> well, that's why there's a sign. If you go to one of my classes, it says the first three rows, you will get wet. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, but but a bandana a bandana will absolutely keep dust and stuff out of your mouth. I mean we you know we, we wear bandanas if you're out in a dusty environment or whatever, but like in the military, you if you're in a with a gas you with C S gas in training, a bandana, bandana keep the dust out of your mouth but it won't help you with the nasty chemical. You need your protective mask on, right?
2: Can I give you a little historic sidebar? Just yeah. just because I know this because I live in the American the Great American West. A bandana is never never ever ever put across your face. A bandana is basically a handkerchief. What you put across your face is called a neck rag and it's bigger, usually brightly colored, almost always made of some kind of silk. So just in case you're wondering, if anyone, if you ever play Trivial Pursuit in some bar that serves good hamburgers. And it's for stamp Well, like stampeding. Yeah, that would be a good time. <laughs>
4: yes. <laughs> I think it can be used for robbing banks, right? Yeah, bank robbery,
2: die, right? bank robbery or blowing your nose. Oh, well, that's a bandana would blow your nose. The difference between neck rag and bandana is interesting. Well, let's go to question two, because I think question two is really interesting. And that is fourth year med students trading off really the last semester of their training to actually go into the field and do the work I think it's great I do too it's
4: like a corporal it's like a corporal in combat who gets promoted because he shows leadership and they need people to lead soldiers into battle right
2: yep what do you think about all these retirees coming in and the numbers have been huge Yep, I know. I, I contacted the
4: military today and and left my information with them because they're asking for anybody that that might be available to help and you know, I'm in, you know, I have an engineering background. They may not need me, but if they do, I'll you know, and I'm am I'm a, was a first responder for years too. So we'll Yeah, I think it's fine, right? People come out to help. That's if you've got skills that will help, we should do that.
2: And that's part of what's interesting to me is that the social distancing, which is really rife with potential um, sociological problems, has really become more of a a way that we're sort of increasing social connectedness by different ways. So volunteerism is going up, which is great. People are checking on each other. I mean, people are working really diligently to make sure... Um, that people are taken care of and are included and that's really important.
3: Yeah, I think there's a great reserve there that if the testing comes to the point, you know, beyond just detection testing but immunity and serum testing which they're working very hard on right now. If we are feeling quite confident that those who were either had and recovered from the disease or picked it up and were asymptomatic and now have, a, you know, a pretty decent chance of being immune. That's a pool of people that can uh, take this time to go and help out others. I mean, I'd be at the yep. food kitchen right now if I knew I wasn't going to get anybody else sick.
0: Yeah, yeah so, what are you seeing that the next phases are going to be? And I know this is the crystal ball question that I love to ask people. But what are you what are you seeing next, based on some of like the the research that you've done, probably on the Spanish you know, the, the Spanish flu that occurred many, many, many moons ago? So, what are you what are you thinking? And this go, this is for anyone? Well, it's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse. So, I mean, as as
2: difficult as this is to say, because it's just difficult to say, it's going to get. I mean, a lot of people are going to die. And you can kind of predict it. You can look around the world at, at countries that are ahead of us and sort of see where it goes. After it gets worse, then I think that's going to be a really important time because, at the risk of sounding like I'm repeating myself, which I've never hesitated to do, let's just put that on the record. We're going to the work. The organization that you left two weeks ago will not be the same organization that you come back to. Because people are going to, they're going to have stories about this. They're going to have family members that died. They're going to have friends that died. I mean, I was talking to my uh, friend who works for a large soft drink company in Atlanta. I don't want to say the name, because that seems I, like that would, that would be is. right. And and he's got two associates he works with that are in ICUs on ventilators. Wow. So the, the notion of restoration is going to be a really important part of what happens. And I think organizations are going to need to be thinking about, this is hard too, but they're going to need to be thinking about how are we going to re-enter this new world? How are we bringing people back? What kind of PTSD work are we going to do with them? And it's hard when you're in the midst of a crisis, thinking about what's next is oftentimes minutes and hours away, not weeks away. But we'll get through this. I mean, because 80% of us that get this, and probably all of us will get it, but 80% of us that get this won't really suffer. I mean, other than getting kind of sick. Right. So we're going to have to think about what it looks like when companies turn the switch back on and what kind of recovery and restoration do we need to do for the people who kept the lights on yeah yeah. Or, yeah right or i mean there's gonna be a lot of um this changes the world the the spanish flu of 1918 changed the world i mean right and that's just, this, the same thing that's happening now which is scary i mean i i don't know jay what you're doing but in most of the people i talk to i just ask them are you scared and i'm pretty impressed <laughs> that in our little community people are pretty free and tell you yeah that there there's a lot of anxiety
3: and i think a lot of the recovery is going to have to do with how this plays out i mean we've, we're, we've been living in a climate uh that's very divisive for a number of reasons and whether we choose to think that uh you know this will not affect me like people like us in smaller communities don't feel as threatened certainly as people like in new york and you've seen some of the the attempts to you know isolate people from states which may be a wise thing to do for a public health perspective but uh if we start to get us and them rather than having this as a unifying shared experience that's going to have everything to do with when we begin to recover how well we do at recovery if we become crazy and divided in our you know local uh Ad hoc militias close down tiny towns and stuff like that when the disease is actually headed their way. It's just coming at a slower pace. Um, that's that's spooky. I have friends who've been prepping for this kind of stuff forever, and they see this as the the go moment to lock down and and uh, keep everybody out. Which, like again, from a public health perspective, it might be kind of wise. But the way we carry that out. Uh, can be very, very dangerous and spooky. So when I start seeing things in the news like uh, the infection rate among, uh, you know, uh, Republicans versus Democrats, which is really a geographic question rather than a political question, what I fear is that people think because I'm of a particular political persuasion, I'm somehow immune to this. We're talking about nature here and nature bats last and it's, it's pretty agnostic to... You know how you feel politically, religiously, or anything else. We're human beings, and we need to kind of come together around this as much as possible.
4: Yeah, I saw a thing with World Health Organization where they said, uh, you know, viruses and things like this don't don't really give. a... They don't care about boundaries. They don't. They don't know a border. They just go where they go.
3: Right, and we're we're so programmed. You know, in recent years or many years, we've been working toward this, where uh, you know we identify ourselves and others by categories that aren't necessarily useful. And I think that's just part of the human condition, but how we manage that is really important to how we're going to recover.
0: Well, I think it's interesting that you're bringing this up because right now here in Florida, they have actually mentioned that they actually are blocking off the state lines and they're verifying people that are coming down from New York and telling them that they have to quarantine for 14 days before they can proceed on. I just don't know where these people are supposed to be going. Right. Where are they going? Well, that's that's a great question. The news not is, there, World. is not very informative on what they're supposed to do next once they get here. And they have closed down portions of, not, of one of the main interstates here, which is 95, um, to do that. So wow. it's, very, it's just intriguing on how this is actually going about.
3: Yeah, it's spooky. My mom is 85 years old with dementia in a care facility in Florida. And, uh, you know, I was able to briefly see her for her birthday. You know, and uh, they've since locked down the facility and trying to explain to her what's going on and why people can't come visit her and stuff like that's really tough. And, of course, she had, you know, the classic response. She said, well, do they have enough Lysol? You know,
4: right.
3: which is just
4: Well, yeah, that's yeah. actually a pretty good question nowadays, yeah. right? That's what we used to clean everything was, with was Lysol. Yeah, she used and to put- spray me down with Lysol
3: when I'd come in after yes. a bike wreck
0: yeah <laughs> so as you guys are thinking about this, how different do you think this world is going to be once we open back up? Once things start opening, do you think when they say, okay, social distancing is no more? Will there still be people that are holding back where there is the fear that something might happen? Will you be able to go to a concert? Well, will people be be willing to go to a concert? Well, that's a do you want to go, Jay? I'll ask you that question. Would you go to a movie? Right now, I don't think I would go much of anywhere. I think that right now, if they turned around and told me that public schools are open effective two weeks from now, I wouldn't send my daughter out of fear. Right. And I think it'll be interesting. I I think we've been given a language for how to
3: stay because we've all been in that situation before because we all work in environments where we're just meeting new people every day. And it's customary to handshake and get close and talk to people and uh, lean in. And I think now we've been given kind of this social permission and language that even, let's say it's five years from now and this is past us, uh, but you feel like you have a scratchy throat, you'll be able to say to somebody who extends their hand, hey, I'm social distancing because I have a scratchy throat. (laughs) So this may be bad for the common cold in the long run.
4: Well, yeah, I was just – I had to ship something off today, so I went to – I won't say the name of the place. It doesn't matter. But uh, the lady there is always very, very quiet and very um, – I mean you can just tell she's a very shy person. And so my daughter went with me, and she's very chatty. And she said, this social distancing thing driving me crazy because I'm such a social person. And the lady behind the counter said, um, actually, I like it. I hope it stays. <laughs> so I think for her it was like finally I can get people to stay away from me. So –
3: yeah, well, my wife is famous. You know, our, all of our vehicles are kind of like the boy in the bubble. Anytime she steps out of a car and goes and does anything, comes back. We have gallons of hand sanitizer, and that's just been the normal mode of business. So all of our friends around here say, "Well, just just do Carol. Carol's been
0: doing this for years." <laughs> yeah. sports sports sports. Like, a, like a spray down machine right before you walk into your house is like. Psh, I know. You going?
2: But you, I mean, you, I mean, things are gonna. It's it's hard to know what it'll look like, but it's gonna be different, and part of it is because the confidence. Has been sort of rocked at the fundamental level that the world's a safe place.
4: And well, so, 9-11, rock, 9-11 rocked our world when it came to flying, right? And yet we did go back to flying.
2: But but nine eleven, as bad as a nine eleven was, you had a clear sort of sense of you could you could take it kind of in a Nietzschean existentialism way, and you you had a you had somebody to blame, right? And, right, right. And so blame answers all those questions. The problem with the virus is. Is it, it, it really is agnostic and I mean, yet we still yeah.
3: seek to blame Because that's one of our natural go-tos Just like in our safety world some, you know, Give me the person that I can hold responsible for this So we've got people angry at the president People angry at Congress, people angry at the Chinese People angry at the airlines People angry at you know, their neighbors for taking a trip Or something like that um, But the virus doesn't care <laughs> It really doesn't It's nature which is frightening as hell. Really scary, but it's hard to manage. I mean, it's hard to be angry with something that's not actually truly alive, but it right. kill well, you.
4: Mark, Mark, you've responded to a lot, like I have, to a lot of really bad events. In as a first responder and a firefighter, you know, we, we go in after the the tornado just rip something apart, and you can just you can be so angry at that tornado, but you can't do anything about it. Yeah, like the, the, No, so you
3: just, become it's... angry at the tow truck drivers or the fire department becomes pissed right. off with the cops and the cops are mad at the paramedics and the paramedics are mad at the nurses and that's just kind really
4: of that's human is, nature, is that, but it's that, manageable. Yeah, you're mad at that tornado, but you can't stop that tornado. You can't bring it under control.
2: Well, and the idea, I mean, it comes back to something we've talked about for years and that is the idea that bad things can just happen is right. almost unacceptable. There has to be a cause, right? There must be a cause. There, there must be a cause. And so we desperately look for the cause because we want to oversimplify, which is, which is a part of when complex systems fail, <clears throat> our response is to go to a simple solution. Well, there is no simple solution to this. I mean, there's, you know, everybody in the world probably will be tested. Uh, that's a bold statement. But lots of people in the world will be tested. At least psychologically. Tested. And and let's think about re-entering the workplace. So I'm gonna bring my guys back. What's that gonna look like? Do I right. do I test everybody? Yeah, probably. Do I have temperature screening at the at the front gate? The door. Probably. I mean, probably so. It's interesting to me that and Bob, you recently traveled internationally. The when I traveled internationally, I got temperature screened, gosh, a bunch of times. Almost everywhere except the big sort of, like I didn't get it in Australia and I didn't get it in the United States, but everywhere else in Mexico, when I got off the plane, they took my temperature.
3: And I was amazed, Todd, you know, I mean, we were in Asia when this was first breaking and it wasn't really hitting the news yet. And even in the tiny little podunk, you know sam Reet airport in cambodia they had public health staff with kind of advanced temperature screening i I happened to peek you know into one of their booths and there was a video image of people walking down the corridor and each person had a a colored dot above their head and if you were orange or red you know these little people in suits just kind of whisked you away could they see you naked (laughs) yeah um was it x-ray vision i can't say (laughs) Dang, I wish I'd have known that. I was there for an hour, so that, that tells you. <laughs> oh God! And then we came back into the U.S. and it was, you know, cattle call at that yeah. customs. Yeah. You know, so we weren't there yet. It was
2: really weird, Bob. When you re-entered after Australia last week, any, did they do anything special? Nothing. And and the interesting thing was, is
4: there was, there was, I mean, it just wasn't very many people, right? I mean, it was, I I came in after I think a lot of that that really crazy trying to figure it out but yeah there was no checking of anything not not that i know of i mean i don't know that i walked past any kind of a temperature screening deal and
0: so then that's the thing is that in some of the foreign countries even if to go into a marketplace you have to actually have a temperature screen just to be able to get in which i still find a little bit amazing that they're not doing here and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing Because then you go into the whole aspect of Well now you're giving up certain freedoms And all this other crap talk that we can go into But I just look at it and go Where, where does it go next And does it make sense To actually test everyone as Bill Gates Has come out and said On some of the social media platforms And platforms that he's been on Like what is the best next step So I think you can well, answer
2: you can answer that politically Or you can answer that operationally And I think there are two different answers the, the, the question that I'd put out is when the guys come back to the plant, what's that going to look like? Because it's not going to be the same. I mean, we know it's not going to be the same. So so when they come back in the plant, are, is it different? And I think the answer is it's going to be different. I think people are really right now out there researching and learning as much as they can about whatever kind of pre-screening we can do. And this, this, this line between health and safety is yeah, kind of going away, and I wonder what the
3: dynamics going to be between the people who didn't go home from work, the essential workers, you know, the linemen, the hospital workers, stuff like that. So their overhead is, you know, teleconferencing from home, and they're in the thick of it.
2: So now you got a ton of separation between work is done. Yeah, and work I was imagine. So, I never missed a beat, and while
3: you all left, we managed to get the job done, which shows us how much we need you. <laughs> That'll yeah. be something. But to <laughs> it's manage. true, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and yeah. you think about all the people. All the people that are running the plant and all the people that are at home, you know, zooming into each other six times a day to have meetings about junk. And you ask this question, how, how necessary are they? Yeah, it's a really good
4: question. And, and even just thinking about, like, I'm a manufacturer, right? That's been my whole career. We set these efficiency uh, targets for these lines at a, like a five-foot pitch. So we've got people, you're within a couple of foot on either side, uh, all the way down this assembly line. And then we've always said, well, if you're sick, don't come to work. But now what, are we gonna screen them with a temperature scanner as they walk in? If you're sick, we turn you around and send you home. I mean, regardless of whether it's COVID-19 or whatever kind of flu or virus you have, it could really impact the whole manufacturing world uh, on the other side of this.
0: Well, and and the other thought behind it is a couple different things. Number one, there was a lot of jobs before we got into this that people said you couldn't do from home, which now that seems to be different. And then number two, how much automation is going to come out of this going forward? Like how prominent are some of these Amazon stores going to be where you can just walk in and grab items and walk out where there's no physical cashiers and it can automatically scan you when you're actually leaving? And then the automation such as logistics, warehousing and transportation, where they can do that in automation. Is that going to be something that comes big outside of this? Ask that, question, because- ask that question differently.
2: Is is social distancing going to rapidly increase automation? And I that's a that's a better question to ask because I, I think the automation thing th- that cow's already left the barn, right? So that's happening. Um, is social distancing going to speed that up so that we can do a lot more uh, commerce exchanges? with a lot less interface with another human being which now uh, six weeks ago i would have said oh that's unattractive to me but now that's kind of attractive
0: yeah because i mean i kept on complaining when i would go to the grocery store and i had to check myself out i kept on going hey am i going to get a w2 at the end of the year but now it's like well that's not a good joke anymore
2: yeah no it's it's way different joke isn't it and and like people that are using food delivery or or uh the, where they shop for you and you drive up and, up and pick it up whatever that's called it must have some kind of name sorry you guys I don't know what it's called but right it, yes,
4: yeah, it's just called pick
2: up I think yeah. but, but that's <laughs> when you look at it and once you kind of figure out the the voodoo on how to shop that way I I have a pretty big question. I'm not sure I need to go back to a store.
3: Now, remember, it's been seven, eight years ago, maybe even longer when Walmart or some of the big retailers were proposing just having like, you know, pit tags on each item that you buy. And basically you fill your cart and you just blow past a sensor. It makes note of everything you bought, charges your credit card, and there were privacy concerns. Like, I don't want anybody to know that I buy Cheetos in such large quantities.
2: Oh, everyone knows. If that was a bit, if that Cheetos, out, you cannot yeah. hide Cheetos. If that was rolled out, fingers will you give you that, away. Yeah, Cheeto
3: finger. But if you, uh, if they rolled that out as a service today, I mean, we've still got kiosks where you insert your credit card while you're trying to distance from the the poor clerk who's kind of horrified back there, and. Uh, <laughs> and then you have to sign that stupid screen and none of us use our signatures anyway. You draw a smiley face or a yeah. squiggly line or something X. and somehow
0: yeah. that's an essential Big part of the process. X. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that'll go away pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then the other thing was that over the weekend, at least here in Florida, some of the grocery stores started putting up plexiglass to divide you yeah. from where? the actual character yeah.
2: yeah, you're seeing that. So I'm seeing that a lot of places as well. So yeah. that's yeah. an interesting idea and that's going to change... So those are the things that when this this settles down, whatever over looks like, those are some pretty interesting questions. That adaption that was put in very quickly and is socialized almost immediately, so there's not a lot of... But you don't have to explain why you did it. That adaption's probably pretty smart.
4: Well, every store that I go in that's still open, like a hardware store or whatever, they've got markings on the ground that... You know, you, when you're walking up there to, to line up, you stand at, at the mark, and you know what people? It's weird because people are are just doing it. They're just standing at that mark, and they move up to the next mark. When that person moves forward, nobody seems to be having a problem with it. And that's a libertarian talking because you know I'm all about freedom.
0: <laughs> now, Bob, we have to might ask, um, why are you hanging out at hardware stores? <laughs> well, because I'm working on my boat. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Priorities got it. Got to go.
4: Well, I mean, part of my Part of my commitment to social distancing is getting my wife and three youngest kids that still live at home out on the lake every chance we can because that's good fresh air and in the country that's the way we social distance, we go fishing or we go uh, you know, out on the lake.
3: Well, my daughter is a river guide, and her plan at the outset of this thing was just to grab some of her boatman friends that were otherwise healthy in a small group and just launch a, an extended two- or three-week trip down the Colorado River into deep canyons. But, of course, you know, we're closing that stuff off. But
4: Oh, are the, are the big parks closing? Because our local ones are open right now.
3: Well, they're closing national parks left and right. Grand Canyon is still open and people who live there, there's about 2,000 people who live on the South Rim. And when they lifted the entrance fees, uh, people just, and and a mixed message came out from Washington, D.C., like, go enjoy your national parks. And so people kind of flooded into places like Grand Canyon, not appreciating the fact that they also need lodging and camping and restaurants and services like that. And, of course, all those things are closed. And now you just have tens of thousands of people who came into the park and very limited services and the employees are still being forced to work and they are not happy. Yellowstone, I Yosemite, I think Grand Teton is closed. Grand Canyon remains open for some indiscernible reason.
2: Wow. How weird is it that hotels are closed?
0: Oh, that's just weird. Yeah. Well, it's it's really interesting because, of course, me being where I'm at in Orlando, when they announced that Disney was closed for a couple of weeks and so was Universal Studios, people started to freak out. And then a couple of days later, they announced that all the hotels in the area are closed as well. Now they have made an announcement, at least out of the Disney side, that Disney World will be closed indefinitely. So people in Orlando don't know what to do because this is kind of a bit a big portion of the economy yeah. for Orlando. So they're they're at a loss. Plus, they actually have furloughed a good chunk of the employees at Disney. So it's 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 interesting here I mean it's if you were to drive down i Drive, which I have not done which is one of the major drives here there's no one there wow. and this is just based on some of what my friends have told me because I'm not crazy enough to go out there
2: that's crazy and think think about like what a bad time it would be to be a burglar yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean burgling must have the bottom must have just
0: dropped, dropped out of out the out burgling, whole burgling market, industry
2: because yeah. everyone's home I mean you just like can't really rob anybody because they're there.
0: Unless you want to do it with the people there. Now, of course, me being in one of the convention capitals of the world, they're saying that actually they have already refunded $371 million from the convention center alone here in Orlando just wow. to get money back to people. Either that is a reschedule or actually doing a, an actual full blown refund and, because of all the calculations.
2: And so that's going to have impact, right? I mean, that's going to have giant impact. And, you, you, and you, you can sort of watch it. And then you ask this question well, what's the plan for recovery? Will yeah. conventions look the same? So a lot of meetings that have gone online, I, I I went to one last week, or I didn't go anywhere. I just sat in my chair. Uh, it was a pretty good conference, and I didn't have to go anywhere.
4: Yeah, and you be- know, we started doing a little bit of the HOP stuff online with, with the virtual, and it's not it's not the same as being there, but it's better, I guess, than doing nothing.
2: What scares me about that, not with you, Bob, but what scares me about it, other companies doing safety training online, is that they haven't rethought their class so that yeah. it's effective for distance learning, right? Because yeah. there's a whole you know term of art that's a that's a whole skill set for distance learning, and so yep. training's going to change dramatically um, because the classes that we stand up and deliver don't really translate incredibly well no. to to distance learning, and so that's going to be interesting to watch as well. And then yep. I just worry about.
0: I just worry about people keeping, you know, their family fed. Right. I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting time to see how it's going to come out on, on the backside of this whole thing and then how this whole new training format, because that's the other thing. With so many people not being available or being let go, how many companies are able to put on trainings at this time as well? That's the other side of the whole equation. Right. And how many, you
3: know, how long is it going to take, if ever, for, for them in mass to say, okay, now we can bring 700 of our employees together from all over the world for a big conference. I think that's going to be quite a ways out.
2: Oh, and then yeah, I think <laughs> I think we're probably years away from that. I mean, I, I, I just getting the airlines back up with some kind of schedule is going to be remarkably interesting. I mean, how many planes? They got tons of planes parked in Tucson and Tulsa and Tallahassee. I'm now I'm listing. Cities that start with T. We start with T. Yeah, that's <laughs> my that's my theme. Topeka, it's a national secret you just gave away.
0: <laughs> the other thing too is, let's say for instance things start getting back to norm, and they say, "Hey, we want one of you to come over and teach a class." How giddy are you going to be to doing this? Oh, I'm fine. I mean, I I, I would.
4: What about you, Mark?
3: Well, once we're under some semblance of control here, which I think might be a while, but I mean, I certainly wouldn't, you know, I had some, it was really interesting to watch as the, because I had a pretty darn full calendar and uh, regular communications and email dispatches from the various organizations as they kind of went through their decision-making. And I would have to say that they all followed the same course, but just at different rates. They're like, Hey, we're, you know, we're still on Hey, we're going to not travel as many people in. Hey, uh, we might consider doing this remotely to all within two or three days of each other. Like it's canceled. We're done. We're not going to do this.
4: Yeah, same thing, Mark. I watched all of April just dissolve in about a week's time. Yeah, yeah.
3: no, everything through June dissolved. <clears throat> of course, the airlines still have my money, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, I, and I think that that when it ramps back up, it will go a similar way. You know, companies will start to see what other companies are doing and what's working yeah. for them. It's uh,
2: looking it's to me going, like everything's going to reschedule in October going to be
0: sad. October's going to be horrible. Well, be what crazy. I just want to is about is people actually trying to do some of these bigger conferences as full rebooks the, a year later. And it seems yeah. like that's what a lot of the conventions, quote unquote, are trying to sell to other people where they say, let's do it a year later. Right. Like the Olympics.
2: Right. And that's what even the uh, I was talking to Lisa with ORCHSE that they've already kind of gigged that hop meeting in January. So they they moved it back six months or so, seven months, probably. So, but one wonders looking at the news, if we'll be back to sort of normal ops. Well, I don't think we're coming back to normal ops. Let me, let me suck that word back in. There'll be so, a new normal. If we're back to the way we, we do work. Be-
0: yeah. So do you, so on Sunday when it was announced that the social distancing should, t- should continue through April the 30th, do you agree with that as the resolution for the time being? Oh God. Yes. Have you not looked at the date on that? Oh, I've looked at all kinds of data, but I want people's opinion. Well, I mean, I know what my I mean the
2: social distancing is, I mean, it, it makes an enormous difference in in the capacity of our healthcare, And so, yeah, I mean, it's fewer people will die if we if we don't hang out with each other. And so, I mean, it's it's not even an argument I, and I hate it. I, it's, I,
3: I, it's not going to be the first extension. You know, I, yeah, it'll. Yeah, so when you say you're all for it, Todd, it's not like, yeah, I'm all for back, back to normal after that date. That's not going to be the case. Hopefully, we're okay. in a much
2: better situation then. But uh, if we've got some. There's a lot going on. I'm scared what normal's going to look like. I mean, I, I, I'm, I got a lot of anxiety around
0: what's going to happen. I mean, what, what's this going to look like? I think through the summer, normal's going to be almost what we're doing now sitting
2: naked in a hot tub
0: <laughs> with a campfire floating around <laughs> in a hot tub with mark at the moment hey you know whatever more power do you oh
2: no we're all together don't act like you're not here jay
0: <laughs> no and so with the people that are listening to our little chat is there any part of you
2: that's not tattooed
0: uh, <laughs> back of my head that's about okay, it. okay just checking um so with the people that are listening what what messaging would you want to tell them so I've thought about this a lot. So there's, there's there's really
2: a couple messages that I think are really important. One is that this is not a time to become insular and to oversimplify. So when crisis like this happens, we really wanna reach out and capture diversity, not turn in and hunker down. So talking to workers, is more important now than it ever was, and it was super important a month ago. But, but allowing diverse opinions to be a part of the conversation is really, really, really important. The second thing I would tell people is that watch how agile and adaptive people are because that's what we've talked about for years, and now we're seeing it actually happen. Those two things I think are really important. I don't know if it's very encouraging or if, it's, if it's, it's not be happy we're gonna get through this, although you should be happy and I think we'll get through this. It's really watching the, the presence of adaption. It's organizations will, will rise and fall and there will definitely be organizations that fall. They will rise and fall on their ability to actually manage change.
4: Bob, same thing for you. So I, I think the thing, I, I totally agree with what Todd says. Um, I also think that, you know, just the, the continuous, you know, ne- never giving up. I, I mean, I love, I was working with a group last week who are, are actually still very strategically moving forward with some of their key initiatives to try to get better at learning from the worker and listening to the worker and they're adapting and figuring it out. And I, I kind of, I kind of said they remind me of, um, of Winston Churchill, you know, when London was being bombed, he, he was down in the, he was kind of down in the bunker there, but he was planning his counterattack. And so I think now is the time to, to, to keep looking for ways to improve and, and not give up and, and look for ways to um, kind of help each other out through this whole thing. Because I really do believe we where we are. We're in this together. This thing doesn't discriminate against education, against social status, against how much money you have in the bank or whatever. It doesn't care. And so really should use this as an opportunity as as humans to pull together and not be divisive and not be... I mean, You look for ways to help each other out for sure.
0: Mark Yesen? I
3: think we have an opportunity to make this into one of the great shared experiences even though it's a very unfortunate situation we're all going to be impacted either by concern or actually bad things happening to family members particularly the elderly Um, we're all going to be affected economically Um, we're all going through different levels of the same thing you know we see uh, entertainers and politicians and people that we you know respect and admire who are going to fall to this Uh, there's an opportunity to be um to be on the same page To realize that You know I may look at it Through a different lens But we all have Very similar concerns As far as our humanity goes
0: Well gentlemen I really do appreciate You guys taking the time To do this And I know that's something Out of the norm But I just think That it was something That our listeners Should be able to Have a chance To take a listen To your thoughts Of what's exactly Going on right now Inside of the world So I want to say The number one I appreciate the friendship Among us And I appreciate The time of you doing this We appreciate nice it to too it. Jay
3: <clears throat> And best yep. wishes To your lovely family
0: Yes, stay well, stay apart, wash your hands. Well, thank you for taking a listen to this special episode of A Campfire Talk featuring Bob Edwards, Mark Yestin, and Todd Conklin. I know this was a different approach to most podcasts that we do here at Safety FM, but I wanted to give you something different today something to take a listen to from a different perspective. Thank you for always being the most important part of Safety FM, and that is the listener. Like I've always told you, if there's anything that we can do, don't hesitate to contact us at safetyfm.com. Leave a message in the bot, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Thank you, and take care of yourself for now. And enjoy this music by Annabelle.
4: Yeah.
1: gotta stay-